Great. So we are going to do today Friday's portion and the portion of Shabbos, which in a sense concludes this letter, but if you look inside, you'll notice there's still another piece that looks like it's a little bit set off, but still part of the letter, and that's sort of like an addendum, so which we will do for Sunday, last day of the year, to conclude this letter, to enter into Rosh Hashanah, the new year, with the conclusion of these thoughts. So now we're right in the middle. What we were saying is that all of the levels of God that are in Tyra, we have the very, very inner esoteric dimension. And then we have, as it descends, to be understandable to our human mind. But deeper than that, which is understandable to our human mind, are levels and levels of God that our mind can never comprehend. As we said, for example, in a Kriyuksiv, where it's written one way but read another, it's read in a way that makes sense to our minds, but it's written in its more inner and truer fashion that doesn't make sense to our mind. So the aspect of God's seminal wisdom, Chachma, that's invested in the commandments is the outer part of this wisdom. As we said before, we said that Moses' prophetic comprehension of God's seminal wisdom was the outer part of it. We said that was the only part that could descend for him to grasp it. Similarly, in Tyra, the source of Tyra is in the wisdom, the seminal wisdom that completely transcends reason. But that aspect of the seminal wisdom that is invested in the 613 commandments is again the backside, the more external aspect of this wisdom, even though truly in every commandment of God, there are pieces of it we can comprehend and the true depth of it and reason for it we don't fathom at all. So anytime we speak about this idea of the backside or the external level, what we mean is that within any one of these divine attributes, right now we're focusing on chokhmah, on the seminal wisdom, but in any one of these divine attributes, there are the external and lower levels that are capable of descending downward to become vested in creation, to animate creation. And then there's the inner dimension, the face of every one of these attributes, which is the attribute itself as it's united with the emanator, with the infinity of God in an absolute union. So we are discussing now Chachma, God's seminal wisdom. In essence, it's united with the emanator, with the infinity of God. He and his wisdom are one. But that which radiates and extends from his essence seminal wisdom to limited, finite creation below to become vested in them, this is the external aspect of the attribute. It's not the attribute itself. The attribute itself can't come and be vested within. The attribute itself is united with the infinity of God. If the attribute is united with the infinity of God, the attribute has to be infinite, as God is infinite. So if the attribute is infinite, it can't become invested within a finite creation. So the light that's invested within a finite creation is only the light from the attribute. It's the external manifestation of the attribute. But the attribute itself is infinite because it's one with God, with his infinity. So this is actually Kabbalistically called 
the asiya within Atsilos, meaning Atsilos is the highest of the four spiritual worlds, realms, and asiya is the lowest. So the external aspect of God's seminal wisdom, this seminal wisdom itself being sort of an illusion for the entire world of Atsilos, the external attribute of it is like the asiya within Atsilos meaning that level of Atsilos that's capable of descending below. Just like, by analogy, we can think of a man. We have intellect. Then lower than that, we have emotion. Then lower than that, we have thought. Then lower than that, we have speech. And then our final, lowest of these five expressions of self, we have action. So my soul has to invest in whatever I'm doing. But the degree of my soul's investment is action, in action, is going to be far less than the degree my soul will be invested in intellect, which is the highest of these five attributes. In other words, you can't compare it. You can't compare the soul within action to much more the soul within speech, to much more the soul within thought. Too much more the soul within emotions. Too much more the soul within intellect itself. So these higher three faculties, intellect, emotion, and thought, are always one with the soul. Thought, you might say, well, I call that a garment. It's, it's considered a garment. Garment means it's an expression. Garment means it's something you take on and off. But thought is not that type of garment. Thought is a garment you're always wearing. It's always united with it. And like the soul itself, therefore it's always in a manifest state. No matter what's going on in your life, as long as you're alive, you're always thinking. But speech and action are literally considered garments of the soul. Garments meaning they're separate from the soul. You put on the garment, you take off the garment. Sometimes you're talking, and your soul can be invested in that. Sometimes you're quiet. Sometimes you're doing, and your soul is invested in that. Sometimes you're not. But thinking, if you're alive, you're always thinking. So it's a garment that's sort of stuck on. And deeper than thought, emotion and intellect are garments. They're literally part of the soul itself. The soul's always in those attributes. So what we are saying here is the soul's invested in all five of these levels. But you can't compare the degree of soul in the intellect that's always a part of it to the degree of soul in that garment of action that sometimes it puts on. So similarly, you can't compare the power of this attribute in its essence state, being completely united with God himself, the emanator of the attribute, and the energy of this soul power, this, sorry, not really this God power, this divine attribute, as it descends, descends, descends to come into something as finite as creation. That is the tiny portion of Friday, continuing and doing the portion of Shabbos. So that analogy of man in his five levels of intellect, emotion, truly one with the soul, thought, a garment, but always on the soul, as versus speech or action, which are garments that come on and off and are less and less close to the soul. So similarly, when we're talking about this divine seminal wisdom, how this attribute is invested in all creation, we're told all creation comes through this attribute of God's seminal wisdom, but it's a very external level. Nothing, literally nothing, compared to the inward 
aspect of God's seminal wisdom, which is always one with God himself. So just as, metaphorically speaking, if you would think of a very, very intelligent person, and that intellect, that intelligent person now is contracted to working intellectually on figuring out how he's going to bake a cake or plunge a, a stopped sink. So you've got a tremendous intellect. And now it's coming to a very mundane, I mean, not meaning small thought. But so the intellect has to get really contracted to get into some very physical, material activity. Now, Moses, who absorbed God's backside, external aspect of the seminal wisdom, merited that the Torah was given through him because the Torah that we receive is also the backside, external level of this seminal wisdom of God. Meaning the Torah, in essence, is one with God himself, is infinite is beyond any comprehension. But the Torah has to come down that we, on some level, can be understanding it. When we're reading it, when we're learning it, we are learning. We are understanding something. So how can we be learning and understanding something when Torah is God's will and wisdom and Torah is infinite? Because the infinite part is not the part we're understanding. The infinite part is contracted within. It's that inner light under the layers of the garment, the external levels. So what my mind is understanding, oh, yeah, I understand, Torah. I understand God's will and wisdom. You understand that external part that came down to you. But within it is something far deeper that no human can ever comprehend, which is the infinity of God's will and wisdom. So why does the Torah make herself so small and come down in such a way that a small human mind, a finite human mind, can on some level grasp some external level of God's will and wisdom because the point of Torah is ultimately the deed to do everything God wants and to keep away from everything God doesn't want. So therefore, we need to learn Torah in order to do. If someone's learning and not planning on doing, it's like, what is he learning for? How dare he put his mind in my will and wisdom when he has no intention of doing the point of it all? So we learn and God made it small enough that we can grasp to get to understand what he wants us to do and what he wants us to not do. And that's the point of it. To the degree that it says that every soul has to be reincarnated until he has observed or learnt about every single one of all 613 commandments. So what we're saying here is, so we're concluding this section. The letter, as you see, has a little addendum, which is really actually an addendum to this letter, that continues. It's actually a second letter that's sort of added on. But this is the end of this letter. So the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Semaphedic, says that the Alter Rebbe opened up this letter with a concept of God wrapping himself up with light as with a garment meaning the garment is the external levels of wisdom, wrapping around the light, which is the inner dimension. 
So in this letter, we explain the idea of the garment, but we didn't really explain the light. And the Son of says this light was created on the first day. It's actually the light of the first day of creation, where the Torah discusses light of the first day of creation. It's hidden in the Torah and ultimately will be revealed to the righteous by the times of Messiah. This light of Torah, the inner dimension, the infinity of it, that seemingly we can never comprehend, we can never grasp, we will by the Messiah. And now, the foretaste of this inner dimension, we can have through the teachings of Hasidus. That the revelations of Hasidus are like preparing us for the meal, for God's wisdom that we will be taking in and understanding by Mashiach, by the Messiah. Just as it says that on Friday afternoon, people have this very, very holy religious custom to go into your kitchen and start tasting the food that you made for the Shabbos. So before the Shabbos, you're already tasting and getting in the Shabbos mood. So now, before the complete revelation of the Messiah, the Mashiach, we're tasting the ultimate taste of what's it going to be like. What's it going to be like? We're going to know God himself. And what do we taste now that's an appetizer for that? When we're learning the inner dimension of God's Tyro, when we're learning Hasidus, it gives me a foretaste of that true ultimate revelation of the light of Tyro, the inner dimension of it, the infinity of it, that's beyond man's comprehension, but will be comprehended in the days of Mashiach. Good Shabbat.